Hello, and welcome back to the My Tiny Changes podcast. Uh, this is episode four. Uh, if you're going through hell, uh, keep going. Uh, this is Steve Pachalski. Uh, I'll be your driver for the night. So let's just uh, settle in and, and try to ar- arrive uh, safely to our, to our destination. Um, no music today. Uh, this one's a toughie that I've kept figuring out um, how to do it. Uh, I apologize for the gap in this new episode, uh, getting to this new episode, but uh, first I talked to family members about the subject and then tried to figure out how best to uh, present it. Uh, and it's kind of the, uh, the if, you're, if you're a Catholic, it's kind of like the, the Good Friday Mass, kind of all stripped down, uh, no music, like I said, and in 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 just um just talking about the subject at hand um i wound up watching the film beautiful boy again which i'll refer to again later and just kind of decided to take notes um of my own remembrances uh watching the movie for me was like going through my not so private hell again uh but as winston churchill said if you're going through hell uh, keep going. Um, thus, the title of this episode. So that's what we're going to do today. As I said, no music or breaks. Uh, we're just going to keep going. Uh, it's going to be rambling. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, parts of it might not fit or make sense. And to be honest with you, it's probably going to hurt like hell. Um, so here we go. <laughs> I know I, I know people have um, opinions of me, say things about me, uh, and even though I'm emotional as hell, and uh, uh, but but most remark uh, how even keeled I can be, uh, seemingly able to weather the storm, uh, especially this. But um, I'm always on the verge. I'm that proverbial duck, uh, seemingly calm on top of the water. Uh, but paddling like hell underneath where you can't see uh, to try to keep things uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, Anne Lamont advises, uh, try not to compare your insides with other people's outsides. Uh, I've always kind of bared my soul. Uh, And after a while, um, some years ago, I got tired of hiding behind the manicured self. it's not that I presented a false image. Uh, I just started presenting the real one. Uh, now, up to this point, I've presented this romanticized version of my son Bobby's life and death. And I think for me to get out of this, what I'm trying to do, and by extension, help others face realities that maybe they've been trying to deal with to let them know that they're that they're far from alone in this. Uh, the truth of it is that for the great part of his adult life, Bobby dealt with issues both psychological and drug-related. I'm just going to say it. And one tended to exacerbate the other. And in my eyes, the way he endured it uh, makes his story no less romantic, uh, even heroic to me. Um. It's been said an alcoholic will steal your wallet and lie to you. A drug addict will steal your wallet, then help you look for it. 
and begin to believe he's actually looking for it. Uh, anyone who has lived through it or those who are now living through it knows that caring, caring about an addict is as complex and fraught and debilitating as the addiction itself. Uh, we deny the severity of a loved one's problem not because we're naive, but because we can't know. Uh, until you're actually living in this, you don't really know. Uh, not until after a string of hospitalizations, uh, forced rehabs, and seeing how increasingly hard he tried, how sorry he was, not until I read his notes did I really know how alone uh, Bobby felt at times. Um, as I said, Bobby had both psychological problems and drug problems, and each exacerbated the other. Uh, I'm going to talk more about Bobby's addiction, not that one issue was appreciably harder or easier than the other. The thing is, they would treat mental illness. Health plans cover mental illness. Overdoses, they just got them breathing again and put them back out on the streets. Uh, there were times of me just wanting to get him admitted, um, sometimes almost goading him into making a threat to us or himself. Uh, because every time he came out, uh, seemingly hopeful, uh, each, and each time we would hope it would stick. Um, drugs pervade every city and town, every high school, college campus in America, so a young adult must learn to live among them. And that's a big thing when you tell your child, be open to things, try new things. But what happens when you tell that little kid, don't touch the stove, it's hot. A lot of times it makes them just want to try it more. And why did one try to do it and the other one stopped? Um, it's an incontrovertible in, in, in fact that more than half of all children will try drugs. Uh, for some of those, drugs will have no major ne negative impact on their lives. For others, however, the outcome is going to be catastrophic. But statistics don't mean anything to the individual. It's not a predictor. It's, it's a counter. When you're in it, you're just basically waiting to become the next number, either, either on the plus side or the minus side. There's no telling where you're going to fall in this. There's, there's no predicting it. And I'm not really sure if I know any functional families, if functional means a family without difficult times and members who don't have a full range of problems. And through Bobby's struggles, I learned that parents can bear almost anything. I shocked myself with my ability to rationalize and, and tolerate things once unthinkable. And the rationalizations escalate. It's only marijuana. He only gets high on weekends, and at least he's not using hard drugs. Until he does. And I was naive and shocked uh, when he told me uh, how old he was when he started things. But... Then I think back to my own youth, um, drinking in eighth grade and now suddenly feeling ashamed at being almost proud of telling stories about it in the past. It's only alcohol, it's only marijuana, then it's LSD, then it's heroin. And you come to accept that our children live or die with or without us. Uh, no matter what we do, no matter how we agonize or obsess, we cannot choose for our children whether they live or die. And it's a devastating realization, but it's also in a way kind of liber li liberating. 
and I finally chose life for myself. But so along with that joy of parenthood, with every child comes a piercing vulnerability, and it is once sublime and terrifying. And this this lingers on with me. Um, you know, you should you just ask Stephanie about how I am at her house when Gray is running around and running close to the cement fireplace or the the, the wooden edge of the raised floor. Um, it, 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 it doesn't end. Now, some people may opt out. Their child turns out to be whatever it is that they find impossible to face. Um, for some, the wrong religion. For some, the wrong sexuality. Uh, for some, a drug addict. And they close the door. It's like in the mafia movies. I have no son. He is dead to me. Uh, I had a son, and he was never dead to me until he was um, those feelings I can I can only speak for myself uh, I would miss having Bobby in my life during times because for periods of time he would just be off somewhere um, sometimes us having no clue where he was I would miss his funny text his humor the stories our talks watching movies with him having dinner together and that feeling of love between us I would miss all of it and I miss it now and I had not had it whenever Bobby had been on drugs. And he was absent even when he was there. Only his shell remained at times. I had been afraid and, and, and terrified to lose him. But I realized now I did lose him numerous times. And I'm reminded of it now from the gaps in Facebook. Um, you know, you get your daily memories and he's not in pictures on some holidays. Um his his using of different names so he would so he wouldn't pop up and you wait and you would hope and you would wonder will he come back this time because that was a real fear because the doctors would warn us that one of these times he might not come out of his psychosis but here's the rub of addiction by its nature people afflicted are unable to do what from the outside appears to be a simple solution don't drink don't use drugs. In exchange for that one small sacrifice, you will be given a gift that other terminally ill people would give anything for, and and that's life. So many times that I was with him that I just wanted to to slap him, to shake him, you know, and to just say, "Wake the fuck up!" and and that he would snap out of it. And you know, it it may be true that suffering builds character, but it also damages people. Uh, I, I always had that 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 feeling, and, and and people look at me as as being you know football coach tough. Um, but I know I'll never be the same. Uh, I I haven't had one good night's sleep in in I don't know how long. I, I, I could count on one hand how many how, how many good night's sleeps I I might have had. Ha Jin writes, some great men and women are fortified and redeemed through their suffering, and they even seek sadness instead of happiness, just as Van Gogh asserted, sorrow is better than joy, and Balzac declared, suffering is one's teacher. But these are suitable only for extraordinary souls, for the select few. For ordinary people like us, too much suffering can only make us meaner, crazier, pettier, and more wretched. 
it it came to be that as much as my child's birthday is is as important as a parent, as much as him turning 21 or my other kids turning 21, a day, a month, or a year in recovery meant more. Uh, I still have a hard time accepting Bobby was 30 when he passed from this life. It seems so much shorter, as short as 30 feels. And it's still easy to forget that addiction is not curable. It's a lifelong disease that can go into remission, and it's manageable if the one who is stricken does the hard work, but it is incurable. And it's easy to forget that no matter how hard it is for us, it was harder for him. The agony he went through through lucid times, how sorry he was, uh, becoming debilitatingly so. Uh, when he would come out of it and start realizing where he was and what had happened again, uh, it, 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 it pained me. It, it pained me to see how apologetic he could be. Me trying to comprehend exactly what it was that I'm feeling. Parents of addicts learn to temper our hope because we never completely lose hope. However, we're terrified of optimism, fearful that it will be punished. Sometimes it is safer just to shut down. I remember thinking at one point, telling Karen that we need to accept the reality that this may end badly. And then later, um, when things seem better, um, you start to relax and you, and you start to believe. And that's the way that misery does love company. Uh, people are relieved to learn that they're not alone in their suffering, that they're part of something larger. Uh, in this case, um, the, societal, the societal plague of drugs, an epidemic for our children, an epidemic of families. I mentioned before, sometimes family just cutting out and giving up on family members. That was the thing with Bobby. He gravitated to those that had no visitors in the hospital, that, that no one came to them anymore. Bobby would be their friend, and he, and he would continue afterwards. I remember him many times asking me to to give him a ride or asking if we could go pick up his friend who, who was being released and had nobody there to pick them up. Um, that was Bobby. That that's, that's the person that Bobby turned into. That's the person that Bobby grew into. And I knew it, at no point uh, when he was going through these things that haranguing him would, would do anything because at, at times he would just shut down, but I needed to try to cover every angle. So you had to choose your words carefully and not wanting to trigger that shutdown. And then you rationalize. If Bobby weren't sick, he wouldn't lie. If Bobby wasn't sick, he wouldn't steal. Well, not that Bobby stole. Bobby never stole, not that I know of. Um, but if Bobby weren't sick, he wouldn't terrorize his family. He wouldn't forsake his friends, his mother, his, his, his family, and he would not forsake me. He, 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 has a, he had a disease, but addiction is the most baffling of all these diseases. It's, it's unique in blame, shame, and humiliation that accompany it. Um, going uh, something that that Alanon teaches you are, are the three C's uh, you didn't cause it you can't control it and you can't cure it no matter how hard you try and, and you know there's there's those easy questions and, and that people would ask and and, and I kind of again was 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 kind of one of those people 
where you say, what about people with high cholesterol who kept eating French fries? Do we say that a disease is not biological because it's influenced by behavior? But no one starts out hoping to become an addict. They just like drugs. And no one starts out hoping for a heart attack. They just like fried chicken. I was one of those. You know, no matter how much they lose control later, you know, they had control at the beginning. But we're starting to understand that, that, that no, people are, a lot of people are born without that control. And you think about those years, those, those teen years through 20 years. Um, uh, Anne Lamott wrote, you have to wonder what Jesus was like at 17 because of all the things they wrote about him in the Bible. They don't, they don't talk about those 17 years until he was 30 years old. He was apparently so awful. Uh, that one kind of makes me think and, and laugh a little bit. Um, but no matter how unrealistic it was, I always retained a sliver of hope that I could get through to him. Um, and maybe that's not quite accurate. I knew I couldn't, but at least I could put my fingertips on his cheek and, and feel him and be there with him and think maybe, maybe this time, maybe this time it's going to work. And since reason and love, the forces I had come to rely on in my life had betrayed me, I was in unknown territory. I mean, what the fuck do you do when love and hugs and just being there aren't enough? My only answer was you love harder and you hug harder and, and you remain there. But uh, the, 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 the thing about it, um, me coming out on the other end, um, I don't think I'll be so scared to die anymore. I think it's like the end of a vacation when you're just ready to go home. Uh, and, and the thing of it is, you know, I want to see. I, I, I want to know now. Um, I feel Bobby out there, and, and if there is a there there, and if he's there when I get there, then I know everyone else is going to come in time, and, and, and I'll be happy. Even as all the experts kindly tell parents of addicts, you didn't cause it, um, I, I, I haven't let myself off the hook. Um, I often feel as if I completely failed my son. Um, and in, in, in admitting this, I'm, I'm not looking for sympathy or, or absolution, but I'm just stating a truth. And that's going to be recognized by most parents who have been through this. Uh, nonetheless, you, you still keep thinking, if only this, if only this, if only this. Then there's so many seemingly converse thoughts here. I felt the same way about my son until I realized he couldn't get to school or he couldn't get to work or he couldn't get to, to his therapy appointments. But he could get to his dealers. He could get whatever drug he wanted, um, whatever was required. But you wind up feeling so sorry for him, thinking, you know, rationalizing he's depressed, he's fragile, he's incapable. Of course we should pay his bill if he winds up in the hospital. Of course we should pay his expenses and make sure he has a place to live or he'll be out in the streets. But then you realize for a while you're just basically providing him a comfortable place for him to get high. And giving cash to to a person using drugs is like handing a loaded gun to someone on the verge of suicide. 
So you you finally stop paying the money, and 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 for the things that he needs, you pay directly. If he needed something paid for, you know, a phone, whatever, you you paid it directly. You you stopped giving him the money to take care of it because you knew he wouldn't. And now I do know that parents have discretionary recall, and and you tend to block out everything that contradicts our carefully edited recollections, but. It, it, it's an understandable attempt to dodge blame. Um, conversely, the, the, our kids often fixate on the indelible painful memories because they have made a stronger impression. So they tend to start guilting you, uh, you know, blaming you as a parent, uh, pitting one parent against the other. Uh, in this, I, I, I felt sorry for Karen at times as it would affect her more visibly so, of course, smelling blood, uh, he would attack her more. That's not to say that I was spared. You know, when Karen wasn't there, um, I could endure the whole visiting time just being called and accused some of the most vile, vile things you could think of, which, for the most part, I tried enduring with a smile and an I love you, Bobby, at the end. I remember so many times being called, you know, Charles Manson. Um you know, on the, on, on, on the flip side of that, I guess some kind of form of gallows humor. Um, I remember some things now and then with a little chuckle, like him goading me until I started chasing him down the hall and, and him laughing at me the whole time, knowing I was never going to catch him. And <laughs> then his sometimes insistence that his father was really Brett Midland um, of the Grateful Dead and to the point where you know he used that as his name on Facebook sometimes that was and he went by that name and the funny thing is it wasn't until I actually looked at pictures of Brett Midland that I said holy shit maybe he has something there um, as I said earlier drugs pervade every city and town every high school college so again young adults must learn to live among them and you know, it's it's it it, it it it's 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 such a hard thing for them to have have to handle. And I still believe there's much good, but to enjoy the beauty, the love, one must bear the painful. Uh, with his child passed out on the couch after arrest and drunk tanks and hospitalizations, Lynch, the undertaker and poet and essayist, looked at his. Dear addicted son with sad but lucid resignation, and he wrote, I want to remember him the way he was, that bright and beaming boy with the blue eyes and the freckles in the photos, holding the walleye on his grandfather's dock, or dressed in his first suit for his sister's grade school graduation, or sucking his thumb while drawing at the kitchen counter, or playing his first guitar, or posing with the brothers from down the block on the first day of school. And we all have the same the same recollections of, uh, of the little boy, um, uh, of, of the young man growing up, but, but those recollections also bring me to other memories, like walking by his door on my way out one day, um, knowing that he was in his room and there was nobody else at home, and I don't know what made me stop this time. Um, I think just because the 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 apartment in in Cherville that we had at that point um, 
uh, was so quiet uh, because, as I said, there, there was nobody else there except me uh, getting ready to head out the door and and Bobby in his room. And the, the just the, the noises I heard just didn't sound right. And I tried to open his his locked door, um, pounding on it and. At least sometimes he would at least tell me to, to go away or something, or at least have some kind of uh, answer, but, but nothing. And again, th- th- these just noises that didn't sound right coming coming from inside. So I, I, I finally forced the door open and, and found him passed out in his room, sitting in a very bad way, barely breathing. And he he had become this 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 huge man and it, it it took all i had to try to pick him up to get him in a more relaxed position but it didn't it 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 didn't change his breathing much and there was no way i was getting him out to a car or anything like that so um you know forced to call 911 and and and, and they came and had to administer Narcan to him um, as I held him like I did when he was a little baby, but this big man-child in, in my arms. And them telling me that it was a good thing that I had found him when I did because just just, just a little bit more and, and, he, and, he, and he wasn't going to come out of that. And that wasn't, the, that wasn't the only time that happened. Not that it happened a lot, but it, but it, but it, but it did happen more than once. And the memories bring me to tears, remembering all of it. On the one hand, losing Bobby, but but then it forced losing him forced into thinking the possibility of another loss, the chance that my other children or granddaughters something could happen to them, uh, a million other catastrophes. Uh, but then you also think of the compassion and love for my family, for my few friends, for my children. And I, I may feel more fragile and vulnerable now, but I experience more consciously. I, I feel more. Um, I take everything in. Um, I always breathe in as much as I could, but I but I really do it more now. Uh, yes, sometimes that leads me to dark places, but sometimes I need to go there. It lets me confront it, and, and it lets me get it out, because it's always going to be there. So I think sometimes subconsciously and sometimes even consciously, I just say, okay, let's do it. And sometimes that's all I need, a good sobbing, cleansing cry. But sometimes I feel more of Bobby's terrors, and, and, and even though things were better for a long period, I'm not sure about the end. I know where there are things on his mind, things that were triggering his anxiety again, and maybe that's why resentment is like taking poison, as they say, and waiting for the other person to die. Um, the only real resentment I have is for that last individual who who offered Bobby things and kept prodding him in, in, in Bobby's words. And, and, and Bobby just being in a tough position already um, that, that wasn't of his making. Um, sometimes those moments lead me to calling my kids um, or going over, and Stephanie's usually the one that, that has to experience it. And they ask me what's up, and 
usually I can't get anything out right away or just a few words and, and they know and and they just sit with me and, and talk with me and more importantly just listen. Um, I usually wind up apologizing and, and they say no need to apologize, call or come by any time and I know they mean it. I know they mean it and and they know when I'm like that. Uh, it, it took this, however, to comprehend that his fate, Bobby's fate, and Steph's and Sam's and Jennifer's and everyone's is, is separate from mine. I can try as hard as I can to protect my children and to help and guide them, and I can love them, but I cannot save them. They will all live, and someday they're going to die as I will, with or without me. I experienced it uh, with my brother and my dad and, and my mom, but but not like this. Um, it, 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 it upsets the order of things. You, you know how the story ends, but in his, in his last year or so, um, Bobby was flourishing again. He was Bobby again, loving life, happy, laughing, and I, I kind of let my guard down. Bobby had come up to to Glen Ellen to live with me. Um, found some found some good jobs. Um, kind of got him away from the from the area that uh, that he was in, and uh, it 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 straightened him out. And you know, to be honest with you, I I, I think at that point that it, it it saved it had saved his life. Um, but he always seemed to be trying to catch up. Uh, and I used to tell him, you know, Bobby, you know, take your time. There, there's, there's no hurry here. Um, it, you know, it, 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 we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, and, and it's, 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 it's kind of why, um, it's kind of why I went into the, uh, to, to the business that I have, um, just so I kind of had more control over over what I did in my time, and and it was designed to for Bobby to be able to come into it. Um, so he would always have something, and, and and he could miss time when he needed to miss time, because 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 those things would happen with the things that he was dealing with. Um, you know, he was. <laughs> He, he, he was smart. The books he read, the quotes, the facts, the statistics he could throw out. Um, and it's, you know, he would do that sometimes when he was in the hospital. And I would ask you, then, then why are you here? And his answer usually was, because you brought me here. And, you know, it got to the point where we had to say, well, if we didn't, you know, where would you be? Um, you know, you might, you, you, you might be dead. Um but as I as I've said before, the world was always going to break Bobby's heart, um, and I think for a while he struggled to fit in until he basically finally started to say the world's going to have to fit to him. And I, you know, <laughs> I can see him like he was when he was a little boy on on, on that night he left us um, in, 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 in looking up and in realizing what was happening and, and, and just asking what's next. I had mentioned the film um, Beautiful Boy at the beginning. Um, 
And Beautiful Boy is, is based on the memoirs of, of, of David Sheff, uh, the book he called Beautiful Boy, and Tweak by his son, Nick Sheff. Uh, and the movie chronicles the heartbreaking and inspiring experience of survival and recovery in a family coping with addiction uh, over many years. Um, so what I'd like to do now is just play, just play a little clip, um, not music. Technically, this is even though music plays in it, it's technically not music. So I'm, I'm sticking to what I said earlier. Um, but I think it, it, it will give you an idea of, of the movie and, and why it could um, affect me um, in the way it did, uh, but, but why it actually helped me to be able to at least put out some semblance of, of what you were able to listen to tonight. So, um, bear with me for a minute. Oh, wow. So how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, just, um, um, just doing what needs to be done. And what does that mean? I'm sorry, Dad. Um, Why don't we just have lunch and talk? We can do that, right? Mm. Please. You think that you have this under control. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different. You're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah, who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad. Here, this is who I am. This is not you. This is not you, Nick. What are you doing, huh? You always gotta be controlling everything all the time. Let me, let me book your room no, at a hotel for no, a couple of nights. Dad. I don't want it to go like this. My son has gone missing. Nicholas Sheff, S-H-E-F-F. There's no one by that name, sir. There are moments that I look at him, this kid that I raised, who I thought I knew inside and out, and I wonder who he is. I thought we were close. I thought we were closer than most fathers we, and sons. Yeah. Why? I felt better than I ever had, so I just kept on doing it. This oh, isn't us. Fun. This is not who we just are. Kidding. My son is out there somewhere, and I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how to help him. You can't. I don't feel like I have a disease. This isn't like cancer. This is my choice. I put myself here. I failed. I can't do it alone. I need to find a way to fill this black hole in me. I still have a family. I want them to be proud of me. What you have, you're going to find it again. You're going to get it back. Do you know how much I love you? I love you more than everything. Everything? Everything. Everything. I I I kind of like the way the movie ends. Um, kind of in terror with with, with a suicide attempt. Um, but they do mention um in in, in some postscript um. At, at the end of the movie that that things have gone well with them since but the moments at the end of the actual movie convey that so many times obviously um it's 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 not always so now the movie the movie was released in october of 
of 2018. Um, and what I what I want to do now, and this might be a little tough for me, but um, I, I I I want to read uh, um, a, 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 a texting um, texting strain um, between myself and Bobby. Uh, I'll I'll try to make it clear, um, you know, who was saying who. I'll just kind of read it off, like uh, you know, like <laughs> like I'm reading a script um, for something. Um, but uh, just <laughs> hopefully we can, hopefully we can understand this. Um, Bobby wound Bobby winds up texting me first. I'm um, saying uh, going to go see Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell tomorrow. I'll probably weep like a bitch if you're familiar with the plot line. Uh, I answer him back. I say I'm not, but I will take a look. And what I did in in in, in that time was, um, you know, bring up bring up the movie on on my phone and take a look at its synopsis. And and I remember I actually I actually looked at I think that exact trailer that I just played. And so I answer him back again. I say, "Oh fuck!" and Bobby answers me right with with three question marks, and then I I write back to him. I say I'm glad of the place we are now to be able to watch it, and and Bobby answers me and he says same, and then he says love you pops. I don't think I say it enough. Thank you for everything. And I answer him back. I I, I and I said I don't say it enough either. I love you too. And I said, you don't have to thank me for anything. And Bobby answers back and he says, I know, but I'm grateful. And I answer back, I sometimes feel I didn't do enough, but I tried. And Bobby says back, don't think that. I don't anyways. And I write, and I, and I text back, it's not so much thinking I didn't do enough. It's wishing I could have done more. And Bobby writes back, I feel the same as far as expressing my gratitude. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, on the plus side, we're both still kicking, so we can do that now. And I answer back, ha, that's true. That conversation took place on November 7th, 2018. 37 days later, Bobby would leave us. To my son Bobby, my beautiful boy, I love you and I miss you. To my family, I love all of you too. To the rest of you, thank you for bearing with me. Until next time, I simply say, peace. Peace.